Somebody asked me as I was leaving the adult forum where I got the name Corky, and I did not make it up. It was that a lady who had given me my name, which was Michael Emerson Carlisle, a fine, fine name, don't you think? <laughs> said, well, but any child of my mother's and father's, Thelma and Ralph, would be a corker. So I got the name before I was ever born. Nobody ever saw me before I got the name Corky, and I tried to get rid of it on four continents and failed. <laughs> so I continue to have it with me to this day. And somebody said recently it was because my father taught me when I was a young child, I'm told, in the crib, that he would come in and lean over the crib, I know all of you who are Alabama fans will appreciate this, and would lean down and say, nothing sucks like the big orange. Nothing <laughs> sucks like the big orange. Because he was a fan of the University of Kentucky where he had paid basketball. So, I'm supposed to talk about why you need to get rid of some of your money why you need to get rid of some of the things that you have held on to and made gods out of. The rich man in Hades pleaded that someone from the dead be sent to warn his five brothers. And Jesus said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Jesus knew perfectly well that displays of supernatural power would not, would draw few people into the kingdom of God. The question is, how do we come to faith? It's not though through the evidence of astronomy, nor through a philosopher's wisdom, nor through ghostly voices in a seance, Though always intrigued by the bizarre and the unusual, we humans are seldom really convinced by circumstances that seem to lie outside the normal. Today's text reassures us that God does not traffic casually in the fantastic or the surreal. God uses the ordinary thing in this world uses the ordinary things of word, water, bread, wine. Jesus could well have said, if you don't find me through the word and the sacraments, you would not find me even if the dead were returned. But God has chosen to be revealed through the scriptures and in the sacraments. God does not use the bizarre but instead uses the ordinary. That is the incarnational principle of our lives. Now, I've stolen that from Sue Armitrout, who's deceased. My father always said, it's fine to quote the dead. It's the living you have trouble with. <laughs> now, I want to summarize in two, two things what I think Lazarus business is about. We, we had Lazarus. Who, 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 who uh, 
the word I want to use, identifies with Lazarus in this reading. Two people. Who identifies with the person who's unnamed, dives, the one with a lot of money? Well, the rest of you don't, did you listen to the... Should we read it again? It has to do with the fact that, you know, there's this rich, rich, rich man who has everything, and then there's poor Lazarus who has nothing. And the rich man just kind of goes over and over Lazarus, and Lazarus is left there. So here are two sentences, a negative and a positive about this. Number one, I'm going to hurt you. A life of affluence and luxury closes your ears to the Word of God. A life of affluence and luxury closes your eyes to the need of your neighbor. A life of luxury and affluence closes everything you have to in the world. Now don't get excited. <laughs> but we are all affluent. If you make over $50,000 a year, you're in the top 0.31% of the world. And if you make over 30000 you're in the top 1%. And if you only make 15000 you're in the top 16%. Wealth is dangerous for your spiritual life, for your relationship to God and for your relationship to your fellow human beings. Wealth is dangerous. Now, I know most of you are thinking, oh, Lord, why did I not stay at home? <laughs> now, here's the second part. Hear the word of God and let it lead you to your neighbor in distress. While there is still time for it. The gate is open now. You can help your suffering neighbor now and care for them. Your action now has consequences for eternity. You see, I have become concerned, and that's why I'm talking this way. As many of you know, that I'm sort of strong on this business of giving money away. And that, and that I go around the churches and preach about giving. My problem has come that I understand that we have these beautiful lights, and you have this beautiful new addition, and you have the beautiful things around here, and you have a great new rector, and you have an organist that's fair to Midland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but somehow I'm convinced that the mainstay of what we do with what we have in the life of the body of Christ has got to be to lift up the down. 
to reach out and to lift up those that cannot lift themselves. To find a home, even, for them. A year and a half ago, I was at the Church of the Good Shepherd in Lexington, Kentucky, doing an interim. And what was it called? I can't even remember. Uh, in on the park. They had people that came that didn't have any place to go to sleep every night during the winter. 16 people. They fed them supper, they fed them breakfast the next morning, and they gave them a bed to sleep in. And I went down there and started talking to people. And I talked to this guy, and he said, Corky Carlisle. He said, your name sounds familiar. I said, my name sounds familiar? He said, yes. He said, did you have a father by the name of Ralph Carlisle who coached basketball? I said, yes, I did. He said, I was on the team after he left. I played for Herky Rupp, Adolph Rupp's son. And he said, then I graduated from the University of Alabama. And then I went to Georgia and coached, and then I went to Florida and coached, and then I got into methamphetamines, and he had no teeth in his head. And he said, here I am. He said, I come here to sleep. I have, I have a job now, and I'm clean. But I'm thinking, what more could the church be for than the millions of people who are on our streets, who are lost? I drive by houses that I think, if we just had something, could that house be a little better for those people? Could we reach out and do things that we had no idea we were able to do? You see, I don't think I don't really think that Jesus cares about the light fixtures. I don't care. I wish he did. But I don't think Jesus cares about the air conditioning. Because, you see, I care about the air conditioning. <laughs> and the heat. But I think Jesus cares about us living our lives in such a way that we see and touch and know and feel and are included by everybody. And so that the money that we raise in the church, the money that comes from us sometimes hard earned money, needs to go for at least as many people outside of this building as it does for us who are in comfort sitting in here. And how wonderful it would be if on Sunday mornings, you know I think it, here I, I was at Interim, we have a pots that we put out there and put money in it. And people came and got the money out of the pots and everybody was very nervous about that. They thought, oh Lord, they'll come in here and steal everything. They'll see that we got money out here and no telling what they do. Well, somebody stole the pots. Uh, <laughs> but but if, if we had the empty seats, if the empty seats were full of people that didn't have a place to be and go, we would be different. If we had a little more color in here, we would be different. If we opened ourselves up to God's generosity by being generous ourselves, everything that happened here would be different. And it wouldn't be easy. Because we'd have to change. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't like any change except the one I'm in charge of. <laughs> this is quoted from something I found and I thought it was good. I was hungry and you said apply for food stamps. I was homeless and you said there's a shelter in town down the street. I was lonely and you said get a Sony Walkman. Couldn't get one now, could they? <laughs> I was beaten and you said avoid dark alleys. I was naked and you said a local church has some clothes, I think. I was sick and you said apply for Medicaid. I was illiterate and you said there are library cards. I was poor and you said God loves the poor. I was in prison and you said try the parole board. I was depressed and you gave me a smile button. I was dying and you said there is eternal life. A lady once dreamed that she was in heaven. An angel met her and showed her around. They came to a palatial mansion and the angel said, this mansion is for your footman. You were right, this thing was going to fall off. <laughs> he said when you attached this to it, it, it tended to want to get away. But I'm doing this for somebody. <laughs> Let's see, where was I? <laughs> A palatial mansion and the angel said, the mansion is for your coachman. Your servant. What? For my servant? Asked the lady in surprise. Yes, replied the angel, for your servant. Shortly afterwards, they came on a little bitty cottage down the way, and the lady asked, and whom is this to belong? This cottage, says the angel, is to be your home. Impossible, said the lady, extremely indignant. But the angel said to her, your coachman, madam, sent us on enough materials to build a mansion you have sent on only sufficient to build a cottage. You get that? What he gave was enough to build a mansion, but what she gave was only enough to build a cottage. The cottage will be your home forever. I am told that the lady was delighted when she awoke from the dream. So what are we going to do? What's going to happen? You all have had a great, gracious, wonderful pledge drive in the past. You've had a wonderful uh, capital campaign. And I, I would like to, to challenge you to give at least 25% of what you gave to that capital campaign. for the work of this church. Now some of you may say, Phew, I gave $50. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about going after it. I'm talking about taking and looking and seeing what it is in your life that maybe you don't need anymore. Where are you on the scale of things that you might can help 
St. John's be the place that is the place that loves each other the most. That's the place where the door is open. I want to be there. That's the place where they teach about heaven. I want to be there. If we carefully read the story in Luke, we will find that what appeared first to the statement of the chasm that exists between the rich man and Lazarus is not really a statement of fact about way of life. Rather, it's a statement of the reality about those of us who live on this side of the great chasm. Take that and read it again when you get home. Read what it says about us, we who are rich. See what it says about us. And then see what happens when you act differently. I told the people in there a story about a, uh, a lady in Kenya coming in and doing something. I'm going to tell you another story about what happened to me in New York City one day. Several, no, it wasn't in New York City. This was in somewhere in, what's that state over there, North Carolina? Um, what is the name of that little town? Horse racing. Aiken, South Carolina. Yeah, close. Aiken, South Carolina. And I talked about tithing and giving money and everything, and this woman came to the door and she said, Mr. Carlisle, you're so right about tithing. She said, I give 10% every first of every month. And if I don't give that 10% at the first of every month, I'll run out of money before the end of the month. But if I give that 10% of the first of the month, I have everything to to spend on that I, that I can do. So she said, I give my $15.25 at the first of, I mean the $50.25 at the first of every month. And I said, a tithe is 10%. She said, I'm on Social Security and I get $525 a month. I said, you live on $525 a month? She said, yes, I get some food stamps and I live in a one-room apartment. But she said, she was telling to me she gives that the first and she has more money left over so that she can help people who are less fortunate than she. And I'm thinking, how in the hell could anybody be less fortunate than you are with $525? The joy comes, my brothers and sisters, from throwing it out there. You know it. If you've ever done it, you know it. It'll set you on fire for Jesus and make you experience love and joy in ways that you only thought just possible. And it'll change this church into the glorious church that it is ten times over. Try it. God will bless you for it. You will be blessed not just today, but forevermore. Amen.